So how do you get from Texas to Israel with a bunch of cows? We can't sell livestock to Israel, but legally out of the United States, you cannot do it. But thankfully, there's a clause in Israeli law that says that you can ship up to five pets into the country. Byron Stinson, it's great to have you here on Charisma News to talk about the red heifers, which is a huge topic that our audience really is interested in. And I want to talk about today some of the misconceptions that people have about the red heifers. What is the real importance of them? And what does this actually mean to us here in the United States or in different places around the world? We know it's a big deal in Israel, but uh, help us understand the bigger context and then explain to us how God has brought you into this picture. So welcome to Charisma News. Thank you, John. So the Lord, uh, even from the time I was just a young boy, I've known that I would be connected to Israel. Uh, what I believe God is doing in these last days is he is doing the same thing he's done throughout time. He is teaching his family. And when I say his family, it starts with Abraham, the covenant through Isaac and Jacob. It starts with them as the natural tree. And then it goes to us as the as the wild olive branches grafted into that tree. And he is now making us, sure enough, one tree. He is mm. bringing us together. And for whatever reason, God decided to teach through a red heifer. Mm. And this started not now. This started at the time of the Passover coming out of Egypt into the Sinai Desert. And God... Uh, orchestrated and commanded that a red cow be brought before the entrance to the tabernacle tent, burned to ashes and mixed with living water and giving a uh, spiritual uplift to the people so that they could start their journey of Aliyah coming closer to him away from death and closer to eternal life. So everything is about leaving and, and the kingdoms of God moving towards eternal life. So our fathers of faith, they've just read Numbers 19, and they looked at it, and it says, Say unto Israel, bring us a red heifer. Now, mm. the first back to the land was Judah. Judah had stayed a people group, being exiled out of the land of Israel in 70 A.D. to 110, being exiled as a people group, and they stayed very much connected to their roots and to their Judaism, and they know they are Judah. And mm -hmm. Judah came back to the land as in Ezekiel 37 first to come back and become a strong nation. The second half of Ezekiel 37 tells the prophet, now speak to the four winds and tell the four winds to bring the spirit of God to breathe upon this strong nation. Well, the spirit of God is residing in us in the churches worldwide and mixed within us is Israel. Israel mm -hmm was exiled from the land, the 10 tribes to the north, which got cut away from the line of Judah at the time of uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And they got mixed into the churches worldwide. And he's saying, God, at this time, is bringing us back together to unify us. And for some reason, God is using a red cow to do that. So with my relationships with them for so many years and projects I've done in the land, when the rabbis in Israel were talking about, they had had another failure. They had hope they were going to have a red heifer, hope they were going to have a red mm -hmm. heifer. And then they had another failure. 
they were discussing it and said, you know, it says, say unto Israel, bring us a red heifer. It doesn't say, say unto Judah, raise your own red heifer. Hmm. And they saw Israel scattered into the nations. And so there was the subject came up. Well, listen, where in the world would we find a pure red cow? Well, I would think Texas would have a lot. (laughs) And then the rabbi that I work with on all the projects said, well, I happen to know a guy that's in Texas that he loves us. He's given his life for us. And I can reach out to him and see if he would put together a team and uh, hunt for the red heifer. So they called me and asked me if I would do that. And when I heard it, first off, I was not expecting it that day. But as I prayed about it, I realized I wasn't really being asked Byron Stinson to bring a red heifer. I was being asked as Israel, which Mm. represents everybody in all the churches worldwide that love the Lord and love the Jewish fathers of faith for, for, for me to get the honor of going Mm. out to find a pure red cow and bring it to Israel. And they asked me to find one. But being a Texas and being a businessman, I thought, I'm going to find seven because seven's God's perfect number of creation. And so we went out to find seven red heifers. Uh, We have a business, a couple of businesses. And so I asked my technical people to put together a uh, platform. Well, first we did, we used bots to go out on the internet and look for the reddest of red cows that we could find on the websites where those ranchers were. Then we sent them text messages telling them where we're looking for the red heifer. Then we put ads in the magazines that uh, actually go out to those ranchers that have those beautiful red Angus and Santa Gertrudis Mm -hmm. and other red cows. And then after that, we sent hard mail right to their, uh, you were persistent. Seven, yeah, sure. You know, about 700 uh, mailboxes of ranchers around uh, the world. Well, the United States, not the world, but around the United States. And then we started getting some responses. Uh, we, in the meantime, some of the responses, people don't understand just how red it's got to be. Mm. You, know, it, uh, it's, you know, you can have a hair that's red, and but at the end, it's beginning to get lighter. And at the end, you can't say for sure it's still red. It might be red, but it might be blonde. And and so with the Jewish rabbis, it's just like Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Shabbat is when the you can see three stars in the evening sky. But Shabbat doesn't start on Shabbat in Israel because they don't want to accidentally step across and break the law by being two seconds late. Mm. So they back up and they have it's it's a buffer zone. So they back up a couple of hours. That's when you start Shabbat and you go past the three stars a couple of hours. So everything the rabbis do has this buffer zone because you're you're being careful not to step. It's fence laws, being careful not to break the law of God. Mm -hmm. It's in their heart. It's in their DNA. If it was not in the DNA of our fathers of faith, then they would not have kept the Torah for us. And we would never have had the Torah but God put it in them, and they and they would have converted to Christianity if it wasn't in their DNA to follow and do the law. God mm. put it down in them that this is why you're exiled into the nations, and I'm talking about Judah particularly. Right, right. And so they had to do that, and because of that, that's why we have what we have and, and the beliefs that we have as Christians. So 
Now, what I see is happening, we have a very physical thing, a cow. And the church is very used to spiritual things, and we, we like all spiritual things. That's what feels comfortable to us. Now, for our Jewish, yeah, this is, what, this, is our, this is what God gave us. This is our DNA. The spiritual side is what we are supposed to be operating in. He gave that to us for 2,000 years to learn how to operate in the spirit, and we have that. We, we know him internally, and we have this spiritual thing inside of us that's operating. Our fathers of faith, on the other hand, are more physical, and they're looking at the law and the rocks and the land itself, that uh, the temple mountain, the building of a temple, all the things that lead to an, a thousand-year millennial reign, an actual place on earth where there is a kingdom of God reigning on earth. Now, us mm-hmm. as Christians, when we read or we hear the prayer that Jesus told us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth. We don't really believe that. What we believe is we'll just kind of fill ourselves up with Christ, and that way when we die, we go straight to heaven. This is kind of our teachings out of our Roman background that got to us because it's all spiritual. But for the Jew, what they're looking for is there's seven days of perfection and six days for the nations of mankind to rule. But in the seventh day, a thousand year millennial reign for all of God's people to be part of a millennial reign of Christ, a Jewish kingdom with a Jewish king reigning from a Jewish, from the place that the God of the Jews appointed as the place to reign from, the temple mountain of God. And so for our fathers in faith, they're doing everything they can to come back to the land, to take the land, to make sure that God is honored by the land, by the covenant of Abraham being Mm. completed. We in the nations often don't really see the importance of the land. We don't see the importance of a temple, a house of prayer on the mountain of God. Those are physical things that we're just more off into the spiritual. So now God is helping us through this red heifer to see something physical that we go and we we can wake up and say, you know, without that red heifer, we're never going to see the Messiah. Without that temple, we're never going to see the Messiah. Without the Antichrist coming at some point and being identified, we're never going to see the Messiah. So we need to stop being afraid of seeing the land taken for God's glory Mm. and the temple being established for God's glory and the Antichrist coming to be uh, uh, identified and thrown down and then foresee the Messiah arrive in a moment coming for salvation for all of God's people. This is what I see. He's bringing us together for that moment. And for whatever reason, God wanted to use a red cow and he's a lot smarter than the rest of us. And so your, your goal was to find seven of them. And how many did you actually find? 21. You found 21. So you tripled what your goal was. Yes. So the red heifers haven't been, you know, haven't been, um, non-existent, uh, but they haven't been pure. Uh, is that is that correct? Yeah. So here's the thing about it. It cannot have any blemishes. So every cow that's ever born in the United States or anywhere in the world, what you do is you take a tag and put it in its ear on day one or the first mm. week. So you want to assign it to its mother. 
And the minute you put a hole in his ear to tag it, then it's, it doesn't matter how red it was. It's no longer any good. Okay. Okay. So in, in Israel, the, the, the amount of livestock is very small compared to other places. And, they, and to get one that's completely pure red is very hard. I mean, you go over a cow from end to end and you find one little white spot that big or small, it's, it's done. You know, or yeah. if, the hair, you know, if the hair is turning black. Or the hair is turning white, you know, and then it has to stay red until it's in its third year. So it's very difficult to find the type of animal that would stay red. And as they get older, just like you and I get white hairs and mm-hmm. gray hairs, they do too. And so you've got to find a, a group of cows that you can look at the mother cows. They're no good for the red heifer ceremony because they're tagged or they might have some other blemish. Right, right. But you can look at their hair, and if they're over in their third year, which, by the way, when you're born, you're not one yet, but you mm-hmm. are in your first year. Okay. When you turn one, you're now in your second year. So this this cow has to turn two, and the day it turns two, it starts its third year. Now, once again, like I explained before, the rabbis are going to have a buffer zone. Mm-hmm. So what they've just what they have decided on, many said it needs to be uh, two years old plus one month, and then we'll say it's in its third year. What they're looking at now is two years old and three months. And that just made it easier mm-hmm. because as of this recording right now, that's exactly how old the cows are. They're the ones we got to Israel are now two they're in their third year and third month right now. All right. So you can't just get a whole bunch of cowboys and go from Texas to Israel. Uh, <laughs> how did you get these cows, these red heifers, these pure red heifers? How did you get them in an acceptable way to Israel? I mean, if you think about it, there is so many uh, stipulations or qualifications that the Lord gives for these things. And, I, and I'm thinking about the Ark of the Covenant, that it was supposed to be held by, you right. know, these these rods and be held by four priests, you know, be carried by four priests. And when it wasn't, uh, and it was put on a cart and it fell off, like the, the guy that went to go Uriah. save it, yeah. Uriah, he, he, he died. Uh, right. And so, um, you know, like because he touched it. So right. there are very, very, very detailed things that need to happen. So how do you get from Texas to Israel with a bunch of cows? So the things we had to make sure of is there was no kind of load put on the cow itself. It can't bear weight. Okay, so we had to make sure of that. We had to make sure it, it doesn't have any blemish. A blemish is not a scratch. A scratch will heal completely, mm-hmm. but a blemish is a scar. So mm-hmm. like we had situations where we have to identify these cows. They must be identifiable to ship them internationally. So we started, you know, from my side, I, I went back to the rabbis that were meeting at the Temple Mountain Institute and the rabbis with Bone Israel that I work with and others. I said, look, there is a device that's the size of a grain of rice that we can put in, inject in with a small needle under by their left ear. And we do it with pets and we do it with uh, dogs and things like that. And that will, it can be red. It's a little microchip. And when it heals, it's like a scratch. 
it, or like a shot. And we had to give them their medicine. We have to mm-hmm. take it by the law. You have to take care of them. I said, this is no more than that. And and then I said, there's a second way. There's a scientific way that they use where a cow can, there's a bigger tracker that can go down their throat because a cow has three stomachs. And in the second stomach, it's like a web. And this thing would lodge in the second stomach and you could... Mm. You can actually, so there was two options. They prayed about it, looked at it. They came back and said, we'll use the small device. Hmm. But then we had all kinds of, you can't even imagine all the uh, issues. There's an embargo. You can't ship livestock between the United States and Israel. Probably some kind of rule to make sure that livestock farmers that provide most of the animals out of Argentina or Australia Hmm. to Israel are protected. I don't know why. We can't sell livestock to Israel, but legally out of the United States, you cannot do it. But thankfully, there's a clause in Israeli law that says that you can ship up to five pets into the country. <laughs> pets. Pet cows. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I thought of when we were trying to get through that that place, you know, I told my rabbis I work with, I said, look, there is an alligator farm up there on the Golan that I know they get alligators from everywhere in the world. There's got to be a way, you know, to ship in alligators. And so they do it. That's their out pet alligators, you know. Oh, goodness. So wow. five's the maximum. That cut us down. We, at that time, we had uh, we'd already flown rabbis uh, under, you know, we didn't advertise it. We just mm-hmm. brought the rabbis in to inspect and make sure they agreed with us that they were pure red, and they did. And then we pulled off the best nine of those uh, 21, held them, and started the whole process. Thought we could fly them from Houston direct into Tel Aviv. The rules are with pets, you can't fly them more than 12 hours straight, or you have to set them on the ground and give them a 24-hour break. Humans, mm-hmm. you can fly them two right. days straight. Human, pet- you, can, you can treat like cattle, but cattle, you can't treat like humans. Exactly. <laughs> so if you have a dog, you want to ship in cargo 12 hours, that's maximum. Like if I wanted to ship one from Texas, it'd have to stop in Miami, spend mm. the night in a pet motel, get back on a plane, take the straight shot less than 12 hours into Tel Aviv. Oh, wow. So they said the same rule for the cows. Now we got five cows. We have to ship overground from Texas to New York City so that we can put them on a direct flight from uh, JFK straight into Tel Aviv, a 10-hour flight. Mm. When we get them there, we're excited. We're ready. We're going to get them on the plane. And then they come back and say, oh, wait a minute. You need uh, insurance. What kind of insurance do you need? Well, if one of them dies, when it gets here, you have to have insurance that says this people are going to come in and clean it and take care of everything. And so every cow that comes to Israel has to have that. And they, we said, well, how much is that? Well, it normally runs about 10 shekels. Okay, well, we'll just give you 50 shekels, you know, per uh-huh. cow here. Let's, let's get that done. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it, you got to go through the insurance company. And since it's not legal to ship from the United States into Israel, there's no insurance companies that have that, that, that know how much to charge you. So we had to go to the insurance company and say, we need insurance. And they said, well, we'll have to go to our actuaries. Mm-hmm. So the actuaries go in and they see how many times a cow dies and all those things. And they run all this. It took them about two, three weeks. They finally come back and they said, oh, it's going to be uh, five shekels up a piece for five. You know, it cost and so five shekels, if you translate that to dollars, it's how much? Dollar and a quarter. A dollar and a quarter. Yeah. So you've per had to cow. wait. 
yeah. Weeks. <laughs> so you're, you're, you had to wait weeks yeah. just for this extra thing, man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's yeah. pretty funny. I mean, so it's, we, looking back at it, it's funny, but I'm sure in the midst of it, you're like, what is going on? Yeah. yeah. Well, then what happened, because we were waiting to do all that and get all that settled, and plus other thing, other red tape. So what happened then is now it's summertime, and the temperature in Tel Aviv is at every day is at about 95 degrees. It's warm in, in mm-hmm. Tel Aviv. And they tell us, look, there's a sensor in the belly of the plane that if it gets over 90 inside the belly of the plane, then it'll go off and everybody will think there's a fire where the because we're going to fly them in on a 777 passenger jet and they're going to be down in the cargo hold. And so we can't fly them until the temperature in Tel Aviv is going to be 89 degrees or under for that day. So they just now we went go from June, July, August. We can't do anything. We're just taking care of the cows in New York waiting for the day. A couple of times we load them up, got them out there ready to put on the plane. And they say, nope, going to be too warm. Take them back. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just, just crazy. And finally, we came to September the 15th of uh, 21, 22, uh, of 22. And that's the day that they said, yeah, they can go. And then we were able to call immediately. We got on the phone. I have a very good friend, uh, Tuli Weiss with Israel 365. I said, mm-hmm. bring some reporters. We talked to the uh, Temple Mountain Institute. We we're very good, close friends with them. And said, come on, let's uh, everybody just get out here and celebrate. And we had a great celebration on the tarmac there at the uh airport yeah uh, as they landed there so you got them to israel where are these cows now and i know time has passed and as you said earlier they can't be even with white hairs and so as they get older i know you and i we we've got some gray hairs uh, in our beards and in our hair um these cows are going to have that same issue Uh, what is the time frame that we're looking at here that these cows are are viable for this uh, ceremony well, out of the five, one is already not viable. So we have four that are viable right now. They're at ancient Shiloh. They're at the place where the tabernacle tent stood for 270 mm-hmm. years. And uh, so they're being protected there, taken care of. People can, if they go to Israel, they can go to Shiloh and they can uh, see them and get the book that you were holding earlier and understand what's going on uh, with that. Yeah. So it's a, a book from our organization. This is Bonet Israel. And Bonet means to build up Israel. Mm. And so this is an organization I've uh, been working with these rabbis for 17 years now. So the, there's so the one is not viable. What happened to that one? It started growing some white hair in its tail. This is the tail okay. is pretty typical where this happens a lot at first, kind of like my beard started mm-hmm. here, you know. Is it? So it's got one. We still have four that are viable. I did see cows on the on the ranches where we got these cows from. I did see cows that were up to five years old that still were all red. Mm. So I think it's possible that some of these four could be viable for a couple of years, but no more than that. Okay. Okay. So, so that's how that's are we going to how are we going to continue to build this this herd of of red heifers? Because that's there's obviously not a temple built yet. Um, and so there's not 
like we're we're not quite ready for this, but we're getting all the elements together for that. And I know even oh. um, Hamas said that they uh, they were aiming for the red heifers because of the, there's some you know, they they know about this too. So right. like there is so me, there's a lot writing on this. Yeah, let me let me straighten out the thinking on that. Yes. Okay, so the red heifer ceremony is to mix the ash with the water and sprinkle it on everyone and everything. Because mm-hmm. what makes everything uh, in Judaism and in God's word is death is what we all are suffering under. Anything right. you can see has death on it. And we know eternal life has life on it. Mm-hmm. And so the process of the red heifer is to take us to a higher level of life. And it has to happen first before the construction of the temple. Before even the construction. Okay. Yeah. So it is. it, it needs to be the first step up in spirituality mm. of getting closer to God's truth. And you can see this in Ezekiel 36. When God promises to bring out of Judah, Judah, out of the turmoil and the tribulation of back to the land and give them the land, he promises in Ezekiel 36 that he will sprinkle pure water upon these mm. fathers of faith and it will be uh, turn hearts, hard heart stone into flesh. And this is what we all as believers in the God of Abraham wants more loving, softer, more compassionate hearts. And that's what is happening to the Jewish people and Christians as we grow in our belief in this God of Abraham. But there is another God of that is against him, that is his, that is his foe throughout mm-hmm. time. From the beginning to the end, there has been a war of good and evil. And this one's getting harder hearted and worse and more evil. So here's what the Bible promises, and this is my message to people that are watching this, is yes, my friends, evil is rising. If you can't see that evil is rising, then you're very blind. You're not watching close enough. Right. The good news is, the good news is, in the last day, God has promised to outpour upon the earth a greater outpouring of His Holy Spirit than ever before. Now, will that be linked directly to the experience of the red heifer and our fathers of faith? I don't know for sure, but wouldn't it be a great story? <laughs> wouldn't it be mm-hmm. just like God to be that perfect that this would happen? And right. The fathers of faith are just following what the law says and what God said to do. And so we should respect that, that that is what their part is. They brought us the word. They brought us the Bible. They, they're over there dying to hold mm-hmm. on to the land, which is the covenant of God, which is to his glory that the land becomes under the control of God's people, which includes us. And now is the time for us to uh, to support that and be part of that. And so when I took the red heifers to Israel, I didn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. John, I did that for you. And mm-hmm. I did that for all your listeners I did it for everybody in Japan that's a believer, everybody in Australia. We, Israel, delivered red heifers to our fathers in faith so they could do this ceremony. And yes, evil saw it and said, Mm. we have to stop this because if, for instance, someday on the Temple Mountain, the place where God says, I'm going to be honored here on this Temple Mountain, 
heaven forbid, they don't want anyone to be able to pray there but themselves. Mm-hmm. Today, that is the that is the epicenter of you must not pray there. If you're a Christian, you can pray at the Western Wall because Judah has control of the Western Wall. But you, if you go to the Temple Mountain, they will tell you it's against the law for you as a Christian to pray on God's appointed holy mountain. If you're Jew and you go up there, it's against the law for you to pray on God's holy mountain. And they know that what will no. happen is if we all are able to come and pray together for for peace, for the peace of Jerusalem, if we're able to open up prayer on that temple mountain for everybody, if we build a house of prayer for all the nations mm-hmm. on top of that mountain, God will see it and his glory will come and we will be lifted towards the God of Abraham and away from the evil. They don't want that. Amen. They are holding on to that with every fingernail they have and death in their eyes trying to keep that Temple Mountain. And now is the time, I believe, and we're going to hope that this Red Heifer ceremony comes soon. And when it does, the next steps will be to open up prayer to every single person in the world to pray on God's holy mountain. And after that, it could go 10 years before a temple's built. It could go 50 years before a temple's built. But we will all come to a spiritual place where we can connect Israel and Judah, the fathers of faith, and the and the Christians worldwide. And I just want to point you to one verse. Malachi 4 says, if the fathers and the children don't learn to love each other, there's a curse on the land. The right. land is Israel. The fathers are the Jews, and the children are the Christians that are grafted in worldwide. And we must learn to love each other. And God will show up and give us eternal life through the Messiah. This is our hope. and This is what we need to be struggling towards. Will Amen. Jesus come pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib? Yeah, I don't need to get into that argument. He's going to come. And the fathers of faith, they want him to come. They want right. the Messiah to come. They don't see him yet as being the son of Mary and Joseph at the Tower of the Flock being born there, Mm. like I do. But they do understand that there is the promise of a great lion-like king, powerful king, that comes to rescue them in their time of need. And now's the time of need, and they're praying for the Lion of Judah to show up Amen. And lead the nations and lead us. This is not, we're not dealing with another tribal group in Somalia that needs to come to the belief in Yeshua for his blood. We're talking, we as children are interacting with the fathers of faith, and we should come humbly to interact with our fathers of faith, and God will take care of the things between us that we don't agree on. Amen. That's, that's how I operate. Amen. Byron, you, you've covered a lot of ground here, and I you you just teased me with something that I want to ask more about in just a moment. But uh, you've covered a lot of the misconceptions that people have about red heifers. Uh, you've covered a lot of things where you just explaining this whole process of how you got from Texas to Israel. That was quite a journey. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Um, what do we do as Christians now? How do we pray? How do we uh, how do we stay informed of of what this process is and, and information about this? I know on Charisma News, we are at charismanews.com, we are always looking for end time uh, end time headlines. Yeah. And so we are looking for things like the red heifer and we are trying to let people know about this. But 
tell us how we need to pray and where we need to be looking. All right. The one most important thing of all for the church to understand, in my opinion, is that if God's covenant to Abraham fails, is no good, then our covenant in the blood of Christ fails and is no good. We have a responsibility to join our fathers in faith in that first covenant. God's covenants are good. And in that covenant is the covenant to give Abraham and his descendants the land where Abraham walked to. And today is the day that the battle rages over the entire world and the church has to wake up and know we need to be in the battle. Mm. We need to be out there telling everyone, all our neighbors, that we support Israel. We need to tell our representatives in Congress, and we need to tell our fathers of faith in Israel, we love you, we're standing with you in any way we can. As soon as possible, we need to all be going to Israel. I'm going to tell you, I sent 2,000 pastors and church leaders Every one of them will tell you it was an experience that changed their life. We didn't go and follow the steps of Queen Helena from 300 A.D. We went and we followed the steps of the biblical archaeology that's available today to see Mm -hmm. the evidence of the Bible. We looked at the rocks that Joshua placed on the ground saying in the future people will see these rocks and they'll know that the Bible is true. We went to the Tower of the Flock, the place where the Bible says that the Messiah will be born at Bethlehem Ephrata, which is the fields of Bethlehem instead of the top of a hill in Bethlehem. And we under, we can now understand these things because we did the archaeological digs on the Temple Mountain and exposed all of this evidence and truth that this truly is a true story in our Bible. So when our neighbors turn and say, there's no evidence of God, the evidence that they're looking for is physical evidence. The physical evidence is the land itself. This is how God will get glory. We need to connect to the land and the people of Israel. That is my big pray for that, that God will open doors of unity and connection between us. That's that's my whole spiel is, is do that. And God will be honored and, and we'll have better lives because we're doing it. 